Well, good morning, Covenant Network. It's a beautiful, crisp fall morning this morning. The sun's not even up yet, but that's okay. We're up. We're here. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Wednesday morning, November 3rd. And I'm still wanting to call it October, but it's not October. It's it's November, and soon it will be December, and then it'll be a new year. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's begin our morning in prayer, as we always do, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's so good to be with you on this Wednesday morning. A shout out to all of my uh, fellow life runners out there on the first Wednesday of the month. We are all in for Christ. We are all in Christ for pro-life. It's it's a good morning. Um, it's also a great week. You know, uh, Monday we had All Saints Day. Yesterday we had All Souls Day. We're going to talk about that a little bit more coming up. We mentioned on Monday the indulgence available, and I uh, want to make sure I give you the best information. And there's always some question marks. I mean, as much as we've talked about indulgences, there's always some question marks that come up about what the conditions are. And so we're going to go through those a little bit this morning, um, and we're going to jump back in, in the Wayback Machine and uh, go back to a segment we actually did with Father Wade Menezes quite some time ago where we talk about some of the conditions for an indulgence, particularly the confusing ones. We're also going to talk a lot about suffering today. Now, you know, there are some who would get up today, myself possibly included, possibly, who would go outside and say, wow, it's cold. I don't like this. I am now suffering. In fact, I remember a time when I used to, you know, there was always that great moment in your morning commute where the the car finally had run enough that you could kick the heater on and it would actually heat. You know what I'm talking about? That you'd have to wait until the engine warmed up to get heat into the cabin of the car. And you're just like, when's that point going to come? Now, my, my last job, I knew exactly where that would happen. Just about when I got onto the interstate, I was like, as soon as I get to the highway, I can really crank the fan, and this car will warm up and we'll be in good shape. My current job, you know, because I live literally seven blocks away, there is no no pretense about the car warming up by the time I get to work. It doesn't happen. The big question is, am I going to get the frost off the windshield, right? But then I, I worked a job where it was in between, and the heat would kick on just as I pulled into the parking lot, and I wouldn't want to get out of the car at that point. And I remember my, my boss would say, Adam, that's brutal. That is brutal. And I'd say, Father, why do I have to suffer so much? And he said, because you do. And uh, today we're going to talk about what to do with that. We have Father Jeffrey Kirby joining us. We're going to talk about a new book he's got coming out, The Manual for suffering. It it drops this Friday, and I am looking forward to our conversation and to the book. Uh, I will say both. I'm looking forward to both. So that's what's coming up ahead on the show today. But it's a reminder for me that in all of these things, we should maintain a cheerful disposition, a cheerful disposition, because 
Being angry about it being cold outside isn't going to do me any good. It's just going to irritate those around me. And, uh, you know, so grab an extra sweater, grab a blanket, make a pot of chili, make a pot of soup, make something warm. This is one of those great times of year. You know, there are certain foods that you make this time of year. Chicken and rice. I love baked chicken and rice. It takes about an hour to make. You have the oven on. The house warms up. It's great. I love it. Don't like making that in the summer. So anyway, here we are. And we're also, you know, it's an exciting week because we are less than a week away now from our daughter, our middle daughter's first reconciliation. She'll make that on Monday morning, and I am terribly excited for her. And we've been talking about this at home, and it's been a very interesting part of parenting because we have two that are at the age of reason. They've made their first reconciliation. They go regularly. I was actually really encouraged to hear this, that, uh, you know, you, it used to be, it used to be that they would go, they'd have a penance service in, in Advent and in Lent. And those would be the two times a year that as a school they would go to reconciliation. And now it's, no, they just, you know, every week a different a different class goes, it seems, um, so, you know, one random Wednesday, I'll come home from work or I'll pick the kids up at school. And it's like, how's school today? Oh, it's great. We had mass. We went to confession afterwards. Well, great. That's wonderful. So they're, they're going regularly. And it's to the point now that when my wife and I go on Saturdays, they're, they're like, well, I need to go. Let's, let's go. Let's roll. Let's get to the sacrament. And it, it always flabbergasts me because I don't even want to talk about, you know, it'd be easy to sit here and say, well, I've seen so many Catholics that blah, 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 blah. I've seen myself over the years shy away from that sacrament for so many reasons. I mean, let's be honest. Who really, who really, really, really gets excited about going to Father, acting in the person of Christ, and saying, here are all the ways I've screwed up? Well, sometimes I do get really excited about that opportunity because getting that forgiveness means more than the pride of admitting that I'm a sinner right? Not wanting to admit that I'm a sinner. And yet most of the time that pride wins out. I don't want to admit that I struggle with this sin, or I don't want to place that burden on myself that I have to do better, that I have to do better. It's just so demoralizing. No, I guarantee you that every time I put off waiting to go to the sacrament of reconciliation, when I ultimately go and I receive absolution, and I walk out of that confessional. I say to myself, Adam, why did you wait so long? Why did you wait so long? So if that's you, if, if you say, you know, it's been a long, long, long while since I've been to confession. I want to urge you, make this the week. Make this the week. Do it a good examination of conscience. Prepare yourself for it. Go in there and let Christ wash you abundantly with his mercy. You know, my friend Charlie would say, if mercy was water, we're crossing an ocean. It's, it's you know, that's, well, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's get a uh, check of the weather for you here this morning. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the indulgence available in this month of November. A lot of us had frost last night. Everyone will at least have a frost and probably a hard freeze tonight. And in between variable clouds... 
and a high of around 50 for your Wednesday. Then with clear skies and light winds tonight, that's a recipe for lows of around 25 to 28 degrees for almost all of us. Thursday, partly sunny and 52. Friday, sunny and 55. The weekend looks great. Sunny with a high of 60 on Saturday and 68 on Sunday. Today is the feast day of St. Martin de Porres. Born in Peru in the late 16th century, he was also born into poverty. The illegitimate son of a Spanish nobleman and Anna Velasquez, a freed slave, his father abandoned them both, leaving Anna alone to raise Martin and his sister. When he was 12, Martin became an apprentice to a surgeon who was also a barber, not an uncommon combination in those days. As a result, he learned to care for the sick. In the process, he also began to pray for them, leading Martin into a deep relationship with the Lord at a very young age. He felt called to the priesthood, but there were laws at the time preventing descendants of slaves from joining religious orders and taking vows. In his humility, Martin asked to be allowed to join the Dominican Priory as a lay helper. For the next eight years, he cut hair, scrubbed floors, and attended to the needs of everyone in the community, greatly impressing the prior Father Juan de Lorenzana. When Martin asked the prior to allow him to become a professed brother, he said yes, but not all agreed. Other Dominicans treated him severely, calling him names, taunting him, even disrupting his sleep. Still, Martin persisted in his care for them with humility and love. At one point, when the priory fell into financial trouble, Martin offered himself for sale as a slave. He was at least spared that cruelty. In his mid-30s, Martin was put in charge of the infirmary. Over time, many of his fellow Dominicans began to seek his spiritual direction, and one of those was St. Rose of Lima. Martin was asked to help support the priory by raising money. Proving he had a great gift for fundraising, he not only helped the priory, but brought in thousands of dollars for poor girls who had no dowries and wanted to marry or enter the convent. He died on this day in 1639. St. Martin de Porres, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Now, you know, one of the things I love about being Catholic is that our celebrations are not limited to just a day most of the time. You know, you think of Easter, we have the octave of Easter. We have the octave of Christmas, the season of Lent, the season of Advent, the season of Christmas, the season of Easter. You know, soon I will be lamenting because I can be a curmudgeonly old man at heart um, that why does everyone turn their, their Christmas lights off on December 26th when we celebrate for a season? One of those times that we celebrate is the commemoration of all the faithful departed. Now, while yesterday was All Souls Day, our commemoration really traditionally carries on throughout the entire month of November. So in days past, there was a plenary indulgence available for a Catholic who would visit and pray in a cemetery any day between November 1st and November 8th, which is the week of the Solemnity of, of All Souls Day. Now, last year, because of the, the pandemic, the Apostolic Penitentiary, who is the person in Rome responsible for clarifying indulgences and, and excommunications and all of these things that have to deal with 
punishment for sin, the, the penitentiary issued a decree that established the availability of some indulgences because of concerns about avoiding large gatherings of people at churches or cemeteries. So they issued a decree saying that it was instead of November 1st through 8th, they were extending that time frame for the entire month of November. And once again, uh, the penitentiary has issued that same decree that this year during the month of November. So instead of having from November 1st through 8th to visit a cemetery to gain a plenary indulgence for praying for the dead, you have the entire month, right? This is a good thing. And all you have to do is satisfy the normal conditions for an indulgence and go to the cemetery and pray for them. And you can do this once per day. You can gain one plenary indulgence per day, right? So what do you have to do? Well, um, I'm going to read this directly for you from Catholic News Agency that says, A plenary indulgence is a grace granted by the Catholic Church through the merits of Jesus Christ, Mary and all the saints, to remove the temporal punishment due to sin. The indulgence cleanses a person of all temporal punishment due to sin. However, it must always be accompanied by full detachment from sin. So, again, we receive absolution in the sacrament of reconciliation. But that doesn't mean that the temporal punishment gets taken away. In fact, you know, you think of it this way. If a child does something where they get hurt, you know, they, they disobey a rule and they get hurt, and you forgive them for disobeying the rule, that doesn't mean that the injury goes away right away. You know, it takes time for that. This is where indulgences are beautiful because it can take that time away. Um, it, can, it can cleanse that person of all temporal punishment due to sin. Here's the best part, not just yourself. You can offer it for one of the poor souls in purgatory, one of the holy souls in purgatory that's being purified right now so that they can go to heaven because they will. If you're in purgatory, you're going to heaven, right? So what are the conditions? Well, you have to make a sacramental confession, ideally the day of the indulgence work, but up to 20 days before or after. That's the teaching. You have to receive Holy Communion. Again, ideally the day of the indulgence work, but... Um, there is a little bit of leeway on that as well. And you have to pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. But here's the one that always trips us up. Detachment from all sin, even venial. Well, wait a minute, Adam. Hold on. I, 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 I want to aspire to detachment from all sin, but what does that even mean? Luckily for us, about a year ago, we were talking about confession and contrition and, and all of these things, and, and we got into this topic with Father Wade Menezes. So I want to jump back in time to that episode and just play this little excerpt for you where Father Wade and I are talking about what detachment from sin means. So let's go to that now. So we want a healthy detachment. Detachment is loving persons, places, and things the way God intends us to love them. Not in an ordinate way, in an inordinate way, a way that's out of order. Uh, do I love my golf game too much, to the point that it takes me away from my wife and kids on weekends? If I love my golf game that much, even though there's nothing intrinsically evil about golf, if I love golf that much that automatically, every single weekend, it takes me away from my wife and kids, there's a problem. We could even call it an addictive behavior. So we need to have a healthy attachment to golf. We need to have a healthy detachment from golf. You know, Father, I'm so glad you put it that way, 
because I read all of the time an indulgence is available, a plenary indulgence is available, but it requires that detachment from sin. And I love the beautiful aspect of our church and our faith that Holy Mother Church does not ask us to do something that is impossible. Our Lord does not ask us to do something that is impossible. But I have often said to myself, is it even possible for me to be fully detached from sin, even venial sin, as the conditions for an indulgence so often state? And and you have made it clear. It is possible. It requires discipline, it requires prayer, and it requires the sacraments. Yeah, correct. I mean, look at internet pornography, the scourge of the day, right? A multi-billion, that's what the B, a multi-billion dollar industry. Is your vice of internet pornography, I would ask the person, is it daily? Because there's obviously an unhealthy attachment to the internet use that leads you to the sin of internet pornography, versus you falling into that sin once every three months. I would say that that's not viceful. It's still a bad habit, even at once every three months. That's four times a year. But at least you're on your way to freedom from that habit. Uh, when compared to somebody who falls into it weekly or daily, there's a big problem there. So we can gradually, gradually have a healthy detachment to things. Again, the Internet, we're Catholic, right? We're not Amish, and I don't say that negative against my Amish brothers and sisters. We have several Amish families that live here in south-central Kentucky, right near the Fathers of Mercy, but they'll tell you themselves. They're anti-technology. They will tell you that themselves, okay? We Catholics are not anti-technology. We see the Internet as a beautiful, beautiful invention. The Internet in and of itself is not intrinsically evil, like abortion or murder or homosexual activity is intrinsically evil. Okay? Fornication, adultery, those things are intrinsically evil. They can never, ever, ever, ever be done. They contravene God's moral law. We would not say that about the glass of wine that wine is intrinsically evil. We would not say that about the Internet. We would not say that about the golf game. However, these things can become an evil in the individual person's life if they go unchecked. And you can develop a healthy detachment from these things and use them appropriately. Remember, the glass of wine, the Internet, the golf game, they are to be used appropriately in the person's life. They signify a goodness which is a way of looking at God's own goodness in my life. These things have made my life easier, like the Internet. God wants me to use these things, but in a proper way. And so, yes, we can have a healthy detachment, even for the plenary indulgence, which calls us to be detached from sin, mortal and venial. It doesn't mean, that doctrine on the plenary indulgence does not mean you will never, ever sin again. My goodness, you're not the Immaculate Conception. What it does mean is that you do not have an unhealthy attachment to sin at the time of the seeking of of the indulgence. Rather, you have a detachment from sin at the time of the seeking of the indulgence. But it doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. We're we're weak. We're fallen creatures. We'll, We'll sin again, God willing, only venially and not mortally. We'll sin again, but you don't have an unhealthy attachment to the venial sin or to the mortal sin. Wonderful. You have opened my eyes, Father, to see this in a whole new way, and for that, I know I'm grateful, and I'm sure our listeners are too. We are unfortunately out of time, but could I ask before we conclude, would you offer a prayer or a blessing for our listeners today? Absolutely, Adam. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, descend upon all members 
of the Covenant Radio Network audience and remain with all of you this day and always, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. So there you have it. Detachment from sin. Now, if you're like me and sometimes you struggle with scrupulosity, I'll just leave you with this. This is not an all or nothing, that either you get the plenary indulgence or, or nothing happens. This is another beautiful thing about this teaching, about this remission of the temporal punishment of sin. If you do not satisfy all of the conditions for the plenary indulgence, um, there's still a partial indulgence available. So if you go to the cemetery, you pray for the dead, you receive Holy Communion, you make a sacramental confession, you pray for the Pope's intentions, but you just aren't sure if you have that detachment from sin, mortal and venial. Don't fret, because in doing that work, there's still partial indulgence available, and that is a good thing as well. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll be joined by Father Jeffrey Kirby. We'll be talking about the Manual for Suffering. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And if you are a regular listener of the show, you know two things about me. One, sometimes, uh, maybe foolheartedly, I, I go all in on something. I say, that sounds great. Let's, let's dive all in. Second, I'm not necessarily an avid reader. I love to read, but I'm a slow reader. So for a book to get my attention, it, it really has to be something great. And, and what does this have to do with anything this morning? Well, you may remember that this past summer, I had my wisdom teeth removed on, on my lower jaw. And about a week and a half before I went into the oral surgeon's office, I had watched this homily uh, posted online by Father Jeffrey Kirby about suffering and the redemptive power of suffering and the good that suffering can do. And I said, I'm in. I'm all in, you know, not knowing what was ahead of me the next week. And I walk into that surgeon's office and they said, all right, we're going to give you the anesthesia and we're going to give you a narcotic. I said, no. No narcotic. You can give me the anesthesia. I don't want to be awake. It's safer for everyone if I'm not awake for this surgery. But no narcotic. And they said, well, is it a a reaction? Because we can give you something to, to curb the nausea. I said, no. I believe because of my faith that my suffering that I will endure can be offered for the good of souls in purgatory. And so no narcotics. And they said, all right, we're not going to try to argue with you on that. About four hours later, I was weeping in my bed saying, I'm not strong enough to suffer for the souls in purgatory. Luckily, my wife was there to encourage me. And now, even better, what's this have to do with the book? We have a book coming out this Friday from Tan Publications, a manual for suffering by Father Jeffrey Kirby, who gave that homily that inspired me not to take the narcotics. And Father's with us on the phone today. Father, so good to have you with us today. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be on the show. And and I love that story. I love that story because... (laughs) It shows both the reality and the glory of suffering. Yeah, well, you know, Father, I think the first question we, we want to get into, so we can talk about the reality and the glory of suffering, is the reality. You know, a big question that, that the objectors throw up is, if, if God is real and if God loves us like you say, why does he allow us to suffer? Yeah, so we have to go all the way to the beginning of time and realize at the beginning, when God created us, he, he didn't want this suffering. When he created our first parents, he gave them powerful gifts to our human nature. Our bodies were never supposed to die. We were supposed to have infused knowledge. So if we wanted to 
do something or know something, it would just be immediately given to us. And we know that our passions were to obey our reason. These were our theology calls to preternatural gifts. And of course, these were accompanying sanctifying grace, so a real personal relationship with God, a familial relationship with Him. But our parents chose sin, so our nature and all creation fell. And that fallenness, the consequences of that fall, even after our redemption in, in the Lord Jesus, God has permitted the consequences of that fall to still play themselves out so that each of us can respond to God's grace, work out our salvation by His grace. This, of course, comes from the Lord Jesus. And then allow good to be brought from the fallenness and the suffering of our world. So God allows the suffering both as a discipline, as an opportunity to work out our salvation, as an opportunity for us to make intercession for others, and as an opportunity for us to be intimately connected with the sufferings of the Lord Jesus in our salvation. Well, that, that takes us to the, the next question on this, is what, what do we mean by redemptive suffering? I think back about 15 years ago now, I was introduced to this wonderful pastoral letter from Pope, uh, now St. John Paul II, Salvifici Dolores. It's one of my favorite writings on the Christian meaning of human suffering. And he unlocks that, that mystery of, well, what do we do with our suffering? And that's something that you speak about in this manual. So suffering, you know, we, we've alluded to, not something to necessarily run away from and say, I don't want to suffer, even though that is our, our seeming natural inclination. But there's something really powerful we can do with that suffering. Father, can you tell us about that? Yes, and I can just start with some wisdom that was given to me years ago by an old friar at a time when, when I needed uh, spiritual guidance as, as a young man. I went to him, was just going on and on about all the sufferings and woes in my life. And he just looked at me, and with the wisdom that comes from older religious, he kind of just looked at me and said, cling to the cross because the Jesus you need is nailed to it. And I want to start with that that wisdom as we talk about what is redemptive suffering. First of all, redemptive, like literally redemption, like how we are redeemed, brought from darkness to light, from sin to glory. Redemptive suffering, that by our suffering as baptized Christians, when it's united intentionally with the sufferings of Christ, it actually contributes to our salvation and the salvation of others. So we are actually sharing in the redemptive work, the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we accept our sufferings and unite them to His. Now, once we begin to, you know, begin to speak like this, I hope that scales begin to fall from the eyes of believers, and we begin to realize, wait a minute, that's really powerful, <laughs> and, and, and really intimate in the sense that that gives me a union, a connection with Christ that nothing else in this world can give me. For there is no greater teacher than suffering. And to allow our sufferings, and not that we're out looking for them, but to allow the sufferings of this world, from illness, disease, heartbreak, difficulty, financial woes, pick your poison, <laughs> to pick the sufferings of this fallen world, and then to unite them to Jesus Christ. That unites us with Christ in a way that we cannot imagine. The Christ we need is hanging there on the cross, clinging to the cross, because He is the one we need. He is nailed there. And then we can offer that as well for our loved ones. There's a power that's released in suffering. And, and Adam, as we were talking before the show, there is a real loss of a theology of suffering in, in the Church today. And that's a tremendous loss, because suffering's real. We live in a fallen world. We are a sinful race. There's no getting out of it. Like, as Teresa of, of, of Avila said, we either 
embrace the cross or we are dragged by it. Like the cross is a reality. Suffering is a reality. And we unite ourselves to that suffering. We are connected to Christ and we allow that suffering, the grace of that suffering, to work on our salvation and the suffering of our loved ones. There's a power in suffering. Amen. Amen to that. And it's so important that we understand that power. And that might mean, friends, that you and I need to take some time to meditate upon this. And and again, we've got this manual for suffering that Father Kirby's put together, which is a good way to do that. Uh, But, you know, as I said last week, but wait, there's more. And this is what I love. In this manual, Father, not only do you break down the mystery of suffering in part one of the book, you then give us some aids for ourselves in the midst of suffering. And in in that, you have passages from the Bible, teachings of the Holy Mother Church, and wisdom from the Holy Ones from the saints. And what great resources those are. Because I'll tell you, in in the moment, four hours after that surgery, in intense pain, my jaw, to say it was radiating with pain would be the understatement of the century. I kept saying, Lord, I want to offer you this. I'm not quite sure if I'm doing this the right way. And uh, having the writings of the saints or the teachings of the church or even just some scriptural passages on hand would have been a great resource for me. I wonder if you could share a little about these for us. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 I, and, and I'm so glad that we're talking about the reality because I don't want anyone who's listening to this to think that this is some type of a Pollyanna approach or that we are somehow removed uh, to the authentic anguish that comes with suffering. We're not trying to minimize suffering or romanticize it. That would be terribly condescending and offensive. No, what we're doing is showing all believers and all people of goodwill that there's an opportunity to unite our sufferings with Christ, to allow our suffering to have a purpose, a meaning, a value that we can't imagine, that we can't give it to, that we can't give it to our suffering, to our sufferings ourselves. So I I just want to emphasize that. And then to, to, to teach this, and then to say, okay, well, yeah, good luck now. God bless you. <laughs> you know, like, you know, um, you know, no, like we, we, we teach this in the manual, and then we move right into giving the resources from the treasury of the church, as you indicated, Adam, scripture, wisdom of the saints, things from our devotional life, so that the person who reads this manual begins to understand wait a minute, there is a theology of suffering. God has addressed this, there is a purpose, a meaning, a value to my suffering. Suffering doesn't have the last word. Darkness doesn't have the definitive word. This is not the last chapter. And then to move to the next part and say, okay, here's some divine wisdom, here's some wisdom from our saints, and here's some devotional things that can help. So immediately to put in the person's hand, hey, you might find this novena helpful if you're suffering with depression or, or, or mental difficulties or emotional challenges. Or hey, you know, if you're really grieving because your loved ones have left the church and and no one worships or believes God except you and within your family, uh, this prayer might help you, and so on. And we draw from the saints, we draw from the tradition, in order to give the resources. Because again, actually, I would never teach someone something, especially something challenging, and then not provide from the spiritual treasure of the Church. So this manual, it teaches, and then it gives the resources, the spiritual help that we need to do it, to live it. We're going to stop here and take a break. We're talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby about his new book, Manual for Suffering. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere.
We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven, where we are talking about how to suffer and why we suffer and how we can turn that into prayer and what it does for us with Father Jeffrey Kirby. Father, I'd like to turn to this quote you included in the book from St. Rose of Lima, who says, Without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. The gift of grace increases as the struggle increases. Now, so far in our discussion, you know, my example has been that one of physical suffering from having the wisdom teeth removed. But I often think about just the the Christian life that we try to live as devout Catholics striving for sainthood, going against the the tide of the culture that says, oh, you have emotional suffering. Well, here, you know, just use, use these drugs or use this person, you know, the throwaway relationships we are encouraged to have with people or, or watch this mind-numbing show on your, your phone or your TV or wherever it may be. Um, we're, we're inundated with garbage, to say the least. And here we are, you know, maybe just in the struggles of trying to be holy. And sometimes, if we're very honest, holiness is really hard. And we don't want to try to be—it would just be so much easier to give up and say, Lord, I give up. I don't want to be holy anymore if this is what it entails. But St. Rose is saying, no, no, you need that affliction. It's impossible to get to the height of grace without it. I wonder if we could talk about that for a moment, you know, just the, the challenge we have of, of living a devout life in today's world. We're not, we're not necessarily saying that all suffering is physical or all suffering is mental anguish or emotional due to the loss of a loved one. It might just be the challenge presented to us by trying to live a good, holy life. Amen. Yes, and, and Adam, I'll tell you, uh, I very much like the point you're making, and, and I think that becomes more heightened as our society begins more and more to lose civic virtue. There was a time when we could interact in society, and regardless of one's religious beliefs, there was a certain understood way that we conducted ourselves in in society with one another, uh, civic virtue. And for the most part, that civic virtue is disappearing. And how does that affect us? It means we find more people being impatient or rude or abrasive, people cutting cutting people off in traffic, people cutting in lines in grocery stores, uh, people just telling their neighbors to their face, hey, shut up, right? Uh, we see a, a, an increase of, of cruelty and harshness in our society because of the loss of that virtue. And I think in, in some respects it's, you know, a very uh, uh, sorrowful, you know, uh, that we see this, that this loss of virtue. But to your point in quoting with St. Rose's, that provides us, we Christians, with the immense opportunity, as our forebears did generations before, to be the difference, to be the witness. When the person is cruel or unkind to us, and we respond with charity, that is a spiritual suffering (laughs) cannot be explained when someone is being completely rude right to your face, and you just smile and authentically show kindness. That is definitely a suffering, and I think we're going to see more of it, and to the degree that we're going to re-evangelize this culture, we want, we must do it. We have to be the witnesses to that, not only for ourselves, but the fa- for the sake of, of others, for the sake of our society. Now, Father, before we conclude here, I, I want to ask if maybe you have one go-to thing. I know there's several things in the book, and, and I think back to a time of my life of emotional suffering, just uh, plagued by that feeling of emptiness and the void in our hearts that cannot by, that cannot be filled by anyone other than God. And, uh, you know, a priest confessor said, Adam, when you're awake in the middle of the night and you're struggling with loneliness, you're struggling with emptiness, 
that's the perfect time to just grab your rosary and start praying because the Blessed Mother loves you, and she she is going to love you like no mother ever has loved you before, and she's going to take you to her son, and that is where you will find the meaning of, of your emptiness, and you'll also find fulfillment is in our God and in the mystery, his Paschal mystery. I wonder if you have any go-to things that you say. All right, you, you got you're suffering a little bit. Maybe you got a headache. Maybe your your leg hurts today or, or whatnot. Here's a good prayer. Here's a good practice to just offer that up. Yes, yeah. So I have to warn people. I'm going to recommend this. It's what I go to. It's it, it, it is my go-to, um, but it's hard, and the Lord takes it at face value. And for me, it's the litany of humility. And, you know, that beautiful prayer that others may be loved more than I, that others may be more esteemed than I, and, and, and that there's complete self-emptying. And God takes it at face value. And when I pray that, oftentimes, you know, in those moments of, of difficulty or suffering, I, I say to the Lord and, 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 and really try to put my heart into, into my words, when I say, Lord, I expect nothing, and I accept all things for, this, for the love of you. So I expect nothing. Just please take whatever you want. I only want you. So I expect nothing, and I hope for all things in you. That's it. I was going to say that's just such a great thing to have at the ready. You know, very simple. I expect nothing. I only want you. That as we suffer, you know, I, I remember in that moment, um, my mental focus was gone. I was in so much pain. But I, I thought of another phrase that Father Stan Fortuna had taught in a teaching he did on suffering that was um, suffering conquered by love. He said, just meditate on the cross, mm-hmm. look at the cross, and just say that over and over again. If that's all you can remember, suffering conquered by love. But I love this as well. I expect nothing, I want nothing, only you. Amen. Amen. And, and that's, we see that conviction uh, in the heart of our Lord as he hung on the cross. We see it in the lives of all the Holy Ones. Uh, my, my go-to saint is St. Maximilian Kolbe, and I frequently imagine... You know, similar to as you're quoting his constant uh, spiritual maxim, love conquers. Love conquers. Just give all things to the Lord. And of course, we know how, how he lived and how he died in, in service to the Lord. I want nothing. Just give me you. That's, that's all I want. You can help me. That's it. Beautiful, Father. Beautiful. The book is Manual for Suffering by Father Jeffrey Kirby. It's available through Tan Books. You can go to www.tanbooks.com. That's where you can find the book. Also, you can find it online and check your local Catholic bookstore. It's worth uh, perusing there as well. And if they don't have it, ask them to order it. I'm sure they will. Father, could I ask you to close our time with a prayer? Absolutely. Let us pray. Father, we ask your blessings upon your people. May you bless them as they continue to seek you, as they seek your face. May you grant them the help of your grace. We expect nothing. We hope for all things in your Son, through him who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Kirby, thanks for being with us today. I look forward to our next time together. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. A lot of us had frost last night. Everyone will at least have a frost and probably a hard freeze tonight. And in between, variable clouds and a high of around 50 for your Wednesday. Then with clear skies and light winds tonight, that's a recipe for lows of around 25 to 28 degrees for almost all of us. Thursday, partly sunny and 52. Friday, sunny and 55. The weekend looks great. Sunny with a high of 60 on Saturday and 68 on Sunday. In this month of November, we, of course, remember to pray for the dead, and that's something we've been talking about this week in our Daily Dose of Encouragement. 
Patty, so happy to be with you today for another encouragement on this topic. Well, as we unpack All Souls and we try to remember All Souls, not just this week, but all throughout the month of November, I'm just trying to give some tips and suggestions to make this a part of our whole month. Again, visit a cemetery, pray the rosary where every single bead is for someone who has passed, who is uh, that you loved in your life, and that you can be praying for their soul. Another idea is to draw names out of a jar where you remember to pray for that person's soul, maybe at your dinner table. And then today, the idea that I want to encourage everyone to do is to have masses said for the loved ones in your family who have died, maybe even going all the way back from when you were a child, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, have masses said for those souls. I think many of us that are younger do not remember to always have masses said for our loved ones. And I think it's a pious custom that we need to bring back. And so when someone dies in your family or a friend or someone in your parish, go and have two or three masses said for them. That's the greatest gift that you can give that person is to have a Mass said for him or her. And it's also a way for you to remember that person and then go to that Mass where you will offer your Mass for that person as well. So we should be flocking to have Masses said whenever anyone has passed away. You know, I think it was Yogi Berra who said it's important to go to your friends' funerals or else they won't come to yours. And, you know, that sounds foolish in the eyes of the world, but in our Catholic faith, it's so true. So let's continue to pray for the dead this week and, and hope that when they're in heaven, God willing, they'll be praying for us. Absolutely. Patty Schneier, thank you so much for being with us today. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Wednesday morning, November 3rd. Um, you know, I realized last night this is how, uh, how how out of touch I am with some things in life. Talk about pri- priorities. That baseball is officially over. That the, the Braves won the World Series last night, uh, besting the Houston Astros. And um, so to all the Braves fans, congratulations. And it, it just reminds me that um, now it's time to stare out the window and wait for spring to come around, and uh, hopefully it won't be too long before baseball is back again. But, you know, things we can hope for. Now on to more important things in life. We have some praying to do. You know, we are less than a month away from a very important argument at the, the Supreme Court. And, um, if you, I, you know, if you don't follow the uh, Supreme Court, you know, I, I didn't for the longest time, but we have coming up on December 1st, the, the argument that could overturn Roe v. Wade, um, and it could be a major case for the legal protection of the unborn in our nation. And so what does that have to do with us? Well, the, the time is now, and really the time was a while back, but the time certainly is now. As, as Gabe Jones has said on the Roundup, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? When's the second best time to plant a tree now? For us to do some serious work of prayer and fasting. And I want to I want to get that ball rolling. We are probably going to um, do a very intense two weeks and, and encourage you to, to join us in that. Um, on the, that's what I'm planning on, the two weeks leading up to December 1st. However... However, it's not too early to start thinking about about what you're going to do because 
Fasting is a very important component of this. Uh, Jesus himself said prayer and fasting, not prayer or fasting, but prayer and fasting. And so what's that going to look like? You know, are we going to prep ourselves to do some serious fasting in terms of not eating? Are we going to do some other sort of fast? Um, what is that going to be? And I don't want to be waiting until Wednesday the 17th to decide what fast I'm going to start on potentially November 18th. I want to start thinking about that now. I'd like you to start thinking about that now. Now, the other thing, you know I'm going to encourage you to pray your daily rosary. And so I would leave you with this. Not only are we going to pray our daily rosary for those who have died, for the holy souls in purgatory, but we need to be praying our rosaries in particular this month for the legal protection of the unborn, for the most vulnerable among us. Um, you know, I, I think often of this quote by Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, that basically says how, how, you know, if it's still acceptable to kill a child in the womb, how can society hope to get anything else right? You know, I'll have that quote for you on Friday because we're going to talk about that, I think. But the important thing is pray your rosary for the legal protection of the unborn. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Father Jeffrey Kirby for being with us on the show today. And moral of the story, I want to encourage you to start thinking about what kind of prayer and what kind of fasting you can do as the court gets ready to hear the case that could have huge ramifications for the legal protection of the unborn. We've got some work to do, so let's get to it. For all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.